Welcome to week seven of the Not Almost There podcast. Today's guest is former U.S. Navy SEAL J.P. Dinell. You will hear a bit about J.P. when the conversation gets started, so I'll just give you the short version of this episode. I met J.P. a few years back and was immediately struck by his confidence. He's one of these guys you meet that you know will succeed at whatever he puts his mind to. You will hear how his refusal to even think about failure got him through buds and is helping him lead Echelon Front with the legendary Navy SEALs Jocko Wilnick and Leif Babin. We chat about how he got into the SEALs, which is a super interesting story in itself, his confidence and where it comes from, qualities of a leader in both military and civilian life, how to refocus if you get off track, leveling up, and one of the quotes that he brings to the table is, change your friends or change your friends. And you'll just have to listen to the episode to understand what that means, but it's super interesting and very relevant. And of course, we talk about so much more. But before we get to the episode, I wanted to thank you for listening. To support this show, please follow or subscribe on however you are absorbing this content. I'd love it if you can leave a review as well. Now for the show, I'm excited for you to meet J.P. Dinell. Today on Not Almost There, I have J.P. Donnell. J.P. Donnell is a former U.S. Navy SEAL and is now a leadership instructor and speaker with Echelon Front, where he serves as the director for tactical training programs. He brings exceptional experience and frontline leadership perspective into winning mindset and culture of task unit bruiser. He serves as the director of tactical training, as stated, and is a speaker, strategic advisor for Echelon Front. And uh, knowing his story and hearing his story, he's overcame a ton of adversity in his life, including a speech impediment um, when he was younger and, uh, and many other things. But one of the things that I found super intriguing immediately as you went to the recruiting station to try out for or to, to talk to the recruiters about BUDS, you had some adversity right there in that moment. Can you take me back there and talk about what happened then? Yeah, I, you know, I was in my senior year of high school getting ready to graduate. Uh, my dad had asked me what I was going to do when I was going to graduate. I didn't really have a good idea or a good plan. Um, you know, and he kind of directed me towards the military, just reminded me of the fact that I had always kind of wanted to join the military ever since I was a young boy and put that thought back in my mind. I was at work um, and then I took my lunch break to go across the street to talk to the Navy recruiting office. Uh, I had a cast on my hand. Um, I'd gotten in a, gotten in a fight at a party and ended up uh, breaking, you know, some bones in my hand and my wrist or fracturing my wrist. And so I was in a cast and I didn't think anything of it, uh, going to the recruiting office. And this is before nine 11 and, you know, recruiters were trying to be hard asses and intimidating and, uh, you know, asked me what I, what I was doing in there, what I wanted. I uh, just trying to set, I don't know why they used to do that. <laughs> I guess it's like the whole old school mentality of like trying to intimidate somebody out of coming in the military. Anyways, I didn't mind it. Um, you know, they asked me what I wanted to do or what I was in there to do. And I told them I wanted some information on joining the Navy, wanted to become a Navy SEAL. And they all laughed. I just remembered like they all laughed at me in there. And I was like, okay, check. Um, 
And I remember this older senior chief told me, um, he said, you know, there's two things, young man. One, the Navy won't touch you with that cast on your hand. They're not going to, we can't do anything. We can't start the process. The Navy won't start the process with that cast on your hand. And the Navy SEAL wannabe recruiter won't be back for another two days. There's a Tuesday that I was in there. He said, so if you want to come back on Thursday, you can talk to Petty Officer Garrett. I said, okay, thank you. Got some information, basic information from them, you know, some pamphlets, marketing material. And I, I go back to work and I'm just sitting at the register because you know, I had the cast on. I couldn't deal with the food or anything um, at this pizza place I worked at. And I just remember like looking across the street and looking at the recruiting office and thinking about everything that, you know, I thought I knew about the military at the time because you know, I'd done my research and read books and read survival field manuals and handbooks from old Vietnam vests that I'd gotten at garage sales and grandparents and family members that I talked to that were in the military. And uh, I just made the decision. I remember standing there at the register deciding, hey, you know what, that's exactly what I want to do. I'm, I'm going to do it. And uh, I went back home and I, I talked to my dad. And I asked, uh, or he asked me how my day at work was, and I said it was good. And I said, hey, you know, I want to join the Navy to become a Navy SEAL. And, and I said, I, I, you know, that's what I'm going to do. And my dad was obviously very thrilled and excited. He's like, that's awesome. I said, yeah, but the Navy, they won't, they won't touch me. I guess I can't, I can't go in. I can't do anything with this cast on my hand. And my dad could tell, like, I was a little frustrated, but I was just like talking with him, having that, that like conversation. And he said, well, how soon do you want to go? I said, as soon as possible. And my dad was excited because he wanted to capitalize on that because he didn't want me hanging out and just, you know, going to parties and going to college for no reason because I didn't have a reason or a purpose or a desire to go to college. And there's nothing wrong with a good college education. I legitimately had no desire to go. Um, I would rather have gone into a trade or learned a craft and, you know, that's the route I would have rather have gone at the time, at the time. And then I decided I wanted to go in the military and my dad knew that that was a good thing and that was the best thing for me. And so he told me, Hey, go in the bathroom, start soaking your cast in some warm water in the bathtub. He goes in the garage, gets some tools, comes in, and uh, we cut my cast off. <laughs> and uh, it was cool, you know. Um, I don't recommend that to anybody when you have multiple fractures and breaks and you've only had a cast on for 11 days. It was not the uh, the smartest thing. I mean, I'm still kind of missing a knuckle there from that. And, you know, there's just a lot of aches and pains with the hands over the years. But, you know, I was just part of it. My dad knew that that was something I had to overcome and, and deal with. And, you know, we, you know, I would, if I had to use my hand, I'd wrap it real tightly with my kickboxing hand wraps. And, you know, that, that summer I worked construction for my dad and we would wrap my hand with kickboxing hand wraps and I'd grab a hammer and we would take athletic tape and duct tape and like, like tape it in there. Like it was part of like my cast. And that's how I would like try to work throughout the day with my dad. And, um, you know, he was just pushing me mentally and physically to my limits every single day. And it was, it was a great thing. And it was cool because after my dad cut my cast off, you know, being able to go back in that recruiting office two days later and then look at me when I walked in and they recognized me. And I remember that older senior chief recognizing me and I walk in and he just like looks at my right hand and how there's not a cast anymore. And he just smiled. He nodded his head. He goes, 
Petty Officer Garrett's going to take care of you, young man. And then that just started the process for me to go into the military and, you know, um, just had to get past all that medical issues and, you know, going into MEPS and uh, it was cool. It was like the first little that's step. It's am amazing. That's an amazing story, JP. So, so I know that, you know, just listening to other people that have been in the SEALs, like it's not that easy. You don't just, you have to get accepted into the, the mm -hmm. SEAL training or the ability to go yeah. to BUDS. How, how did that so, work? How did, yeah. what was that process like? Well, you, you know, you have to, you take your ASVAB, which is like your military intelligence test. You, you know, you score, it's like an IQ test type of thing. I don't know what it stands for. I can't remember. <laughs> I'm sure somebody will, you know, comment on this and tell us what it means. Um, but I took my ASVAB and I scored pretty high, which was cool. Um, and I had a, the ability to pick whatever job I really wanted in the regular Navy. And I remember them trying to have me go into the nuclear program. They're like, hey, you should go to the nuke program. You know, you do real well here. You're going to be on a sub, send you to nuclear engineering school. And then, you know, you can become an officer and then you'll go to BUDS as an officer and it'll be good. I was like, and they're like, tell me all this stuff. I'm like, that's like four years. Like, I don't want to wait four years. And I have no desire to be a nuclear engineer. Like, I don't want to go through schooling for, for any of that. Like, yeah, okay, I scored high on my test, but I have no desire to do that. God bless the people that do because that's awesome. We need that. And I just, I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. I made up my mind that I was going to be a Navy SEAL. And they're like, well, you just can't be a SEAL. You have to have a job in the Navy. And I said, okay, well, what jobs can I have that allows me to become a Navy SEAL? And there's like this list. At the time, they were called SEAL source ratings, meaning that if you had this job, it related somehow to you being in the SEAL teams. And it was, you know, these are skill sets that would be good for being a SEAL. I was like, okay. And so I'm like looking through the list. I'm like, well, what's this? What's this? And they're explaining it all to me. And they're like, whole technician. They're like, oh man, that's a real crappy job on the on in the Navy. Like, their nicknames are turd chasers because they're like, you know, cleaning out like the plumbing and unclogging toilets and making sure all the all the piping on and plumbing on the ships work. So all the you know just everything. And they're down in the engineering compartments. It's super hot and it's loud. And you know they're doing sheet metal work and welding and pipe fitting and pipe building, bending. And I'm like. They're doing welding? You learn how to weld? And they're like, yeah, you, oh yeah, you're like an expert welder if you're out in the fleet and you know the schooling is just like that's it. Like you're learning to cut steel and pipes and bend them and weld and do sheet metal work and MIG and TIG and all that stuff. I'm like, so I'd be a good welder? And they're like, Well, yeah. I said, I want that job. Like, what? Like it's the worst job in the Navy. I said, I'm not gonna do that in the Navy. I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. They're like, well, no, you don't get it. Like if you have this job and you go to Buds and you quit, that's what you're going to do in the ship, on a ship. I said, I know. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to Buds. And like, well, you know, I'm trying to talk me out of it. I remember getting pissed at my recruiter. I was like, hey, this is what I want to do. I don't care about the fleet Navy. I'm not going there. I'm going to become a Navy SEAL. And the guy's like, okay, all right, cool. Whole technician. So we started the process. And then there was like some other testing and and then you then you have to go like like pass the screen test like the seal screen test before you can go in. Um, my recruiter was like, "Hey, how how are your numbers on all this stuff?" And asked me, and I was like, "Oh, I could totally pass all that." He goes, "You sure?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm a really good swimmer. 
I can run. I can do all that because I was running and doing push-ups and sit-ups and I would go down by the lake. I'm sorry, down by the lake and the river in Sacramento in the Fair Oaks area and I would run and I would swim in the river and I would practice doing breath holds. Like I'd, I'd hold my breath, go down the bottom of the river and I'd pull myself upstream from the rocks that were at the bottom of it and then I'd come up and I'd float down the rapids and I would do that again and I was just getting myself comfortable in uncomfortable situations. So I knew like my, I was like, man, my, yeah, I'm good. He never made me make the do the test. <laughs> the fact that I never took the screen test before I went, like he straight up lied. And I didn't know that. Like I didn't know at the time, like you had to like pass a screen test. He goes, so are you sure you're going to pass this when you get there? I said, yeah, absolutely. He goes, okay, cool. Because I guess, uh, I guess they were supposed to be doing weekly screen tests with all the SEAL candidates and all the SWIC candidates, which is like the special boat operators and EOD. Like all those guys are supposed to do the screen test once a week uh, because they would get guys that would be sent there that couldn't pass it. And so like boot camp it was like, Hey, these guys got to be prepared before they come. And so I guess he, uh, falsified some documents and said that I was good to go, but whatever. Uh, because when I, when I showed up to boot camp, you know, I remember the first week, uh, they came in to the barracks and it was all the, like the seal recruiters and motivators or they called them motivators and what recruiters have all the seal dive motivators. And there were, there were seals EOD guys and SWIT guys, which was like the boat guys there as instructors. And they're like, everyone drop down. So everyone drops down and push up position. And they're like, all the SEAL wannabes, go ahead and stand up. And there was a, a good amount of guys in my division that like wanted to do it. Or when they got to boot camp, they're like, hey, I think I want to do this. So all these guys stand up and I stayed in the in the push-up position. And so they're like going through the list of guys. They're like, Danelle. I was like, who ya? They're like, why'd you stand it up? I'm so young. You could just tell my arrogance, or not arrogance, but just confidence was extremely high. And they're like, why didn't you stand up? And I said, because I'm not a SEAL wannabe. I'm a SEAL gonna be. I'm going to be a SEAL. And they're like, push him out. And I'm like, okay. So I push him out. They're like, push him out again. I push him out again, which means like do push-ups, right? So push him out. You do, you know, I think at boot camp is like 10 push-ups, super weak. Like push him out again. I'm like, Okay. Like push them out again. I'm like, okay. Like I just keep doing this. Like, like we do like over a hundred pushups, but they're only doing them in increments of 10. So it's for me, it's like bah, 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 rest. And then they're like, do it again. I'm like, okay. And finally, like they got bored. And then like, they try to make me do like flutter kicks and all this other stuff while everybody else is watching. And, uh, one of the, one of my re recruit drill commanders, I called them RDCs like said something to the SEAL motivator. He's like, you ain't going to smoke my boy to know he's, he's ready. And they're like, all right, we'll see. And so then we um, had the screen test or, or no, we, we, we went throughout our day and it was cool because my RDC recruit drill commander, you know, our guy at boot camp, um, I was supposed to be on watch that night for like in the middle of the night, which is a real crappy time to be able to do it because it's broken sleep and you're going to bed late, wake up early, so you almost have no sleep. And um, he pulled me aside that night and he said, hey, are you going to pass the screen test tomorrow? I said, absolutely. Yes. Yes, Betty Officer. He said, okay. He goes, I think you're going to be the only one that does it out of all these guys. I said, okay. And I, was, I just remember that. I was like, okay. He goes, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure somebody else covers your watch tonight. I want to make sure you get a good 
good night's sleep, make us proud. And I thought that was really cool because, you know, most of the time in boot camp, they're just trying to be jerks and break you down and everything. But to me, that was like my first kind of example of good leadership because he saw potential and he knew like, yes, his role as a recruit drill commander is to be strict, but it's also to prepare sailors to be prepared to go into the Navy. You know, it's, you know, he's like, I'm, you know, he's not in charge of a selection program. He's not trying to eliminate the weak. He's trying to prepare people. And so they completely hooked me up and like took care of me. And I remember they also wanted to put me in a position of leadership in boot camp, but they said because I was going to be at all the sealed PTs in the morning that I, I, I couldn't do that. And they're like, hey, we just want you to know, like, we actually wanted you to be in charge of this whole division, but we're going to give you another position of leadership. That's like a little bit less important, but we wish you were going to be leading this, but we want you to be able to go to seal PT every morning to prepare you for going to buds. I I just remember, I thought that was really cool at the time. And so anyways, I, um, I went to bed. I don't even know if I slept because I was so excited. (laughs) Anyways, I should have stayed on watch and let other people sleep. But, um, I, uh, went into the screen test and you know, swim went well. I did really well on the swim. Like number, I think number one on that, like came in really quick. Um, push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups were really good. And I just remember the first time I felt fatigue was during the run, but I was keeping such a good pace um, that I just told myself like, hey, just even if you throw up, just keep running, you're still going to be okay. And I remember I like doing this lap, and as I came around this lap, I remember seeing like the sun rising and the American flag flying, and you know, and and nine eleven had happened, like nine eleven had happened my sixth day of boot camp. So it was like right after nine eleven had happened. I'm doing the seal screen test, and I just remember seeing the sunrise and that American flag just like waving, and it was just like I remember I got the chills. And I just, boom, just shut it off. Like whatever that little mental weakness that was creeping in my mind, I just remember shutting it off and then just just picking up the pace and I finished well on my run. So and, how, uh, how long was the run? Just a mile and a half. It's not long. You know, the still screen test is not that bad. It's a 500-meter swim, max push-ups in two minutes, max sit-ups in two minutes, max pull-ups, and then a mile and a half run. And so it wasn't, it's not that bad. I mean, it's, you know, guys do it just for like a, a good workout, but it's the stress and everybody there and it's early in the morning and people aren't used to doing all that stuff. But anyway, I just remember finishing the run as I'm coming down, like I'm like yelling out my name so that they can like, I'm like, Danelle, Danelle, and I find boom. And I just remember getting done that run. I'm kind of walking around. I just, I had the biggest smile on my face. Like I just was so happy and I was on just cloud nine. I was just beyond excited. And that was like the first little step and went through boot camp. Everything was good. I mean, it's Navy boot camp. It's not very difficult. <laughs> uh, you know, Navy boot camp's not known for having the hard diff boot camp. That's, you know, Marine Corps boot camp. They're legit. Uh, Army boot camp. It's hard. Um, Navy and Air Force, we got it good. We know that. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I just go through boot camp and 
I, I just, I loved it. I enjoyed it. I was young. I liked the discipline. I liked the structure. I enjoyed the leadership challenges. I enjoyed the leadership that I learned from that were in the Navy. Uh, a guy by the name of Petty Officer Quick and then Petty Officer Young. Man, I wish I, like, I wish I could connect with those guys somehow because it would be cool. Those guys were awesome, awesome leaders that I had. And then I graduated from boot camp and I went into A school, which is your regular schooling for the Navy. Went through that. Uh, boot camp, I graduated uh, number one in my division and number three overall from all the divisions. And then in A school, I graduated number one. And then, um, you know, I went to, went to Bud's and um, checked into BUDS of April of 2002. I, I started with class 242 and I graduated with class 242. And there was about 222 guys on day one. And when I graduated, I believe I was one of 28 of those originals that started on day one that graduated. It seems like you're the type of guy that never had a doubt in your mind that you wouldn't, that you wouldn't pass BUDS, meaning like you were you were going to do it. Have you always had that confidence in your life? And, and what did that stem from? Um, yeah, so I absolutely knew that I was going to be a Navy SEAL. And like, there's no question in my mind. Um, you know, I think that just was instilled into me from the belief in myself and my abilities that my parents instilled into me. My grandparents, you know, my grandmother was big on prayer and she would pray over the family every day. And she'd pray for individuals. And she always told me, she's like, Jeremiah, you're going to be a warrior. You're going to be a warrior for Christ. You're going to be a warrior. I don't know what that looks like, but that's what you're going to be. I've, 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 been, had, the, I've had that spoken to me since I was born, you know, from my grandmother and my mother and my dad and other family members. And so the thought of going to war and being a warrior and being a soldier and serving my country is something that just always has been ingrained into me. It's something I've always wanted to do and felt called to do. And I feel like that is what God designed for me to do. And I've talked to a lot of people about that. And they're like, well, why'd you get out if that's what you feel? Like they're like questioning that. I said, well, I also understand that that was a chapter of my life. You know, and if you look at your life as a book, it has many chapters. And you need to understand when that chapter is done and when it's time to start writing your next chapter. And I was at the 12 year, almost at the 12 year mark when I got out and I got out for my wife and kids. And at the time, that's what I needed to do. Now I miss it every day. I think about it every day. I wish I was in combat every single day because I like that. I enjoy it. I love the SEAL teams. I've, I enjoy getting into gunfights. You know, I was a machine gunner and a sniper. We got into a lot of gunfights in Ramadi. You know, when I was a part of Task Unit Bruiser and we deployed to Ramadi, we we started hunting enemy fighters and taking them out. And it was an awesome thing to be able to do. That was a chapter of my life. That was a section of my life that we did well. And I had to understand that you you do these sections of your life well, but man, you gotta keep pushing forward. Like that's not the finish line. And I, I had to find a new, you know, I had to find a new mission. And when I got out of the SEAL teams, I struggled because I didn't have a defined new mission. Now I understood that I had to take care of my family and provide for my family. And I got a job that I enjoyed and I learned from and I made good money doing sales in a financial company because I'm coachable, I'm teachable. 
I'll outwork anybody. You know, you just tell me what I need to do and why, I'll figure it out. And I'm really good at asking questions. If I don't know how to do something, I will ask you as many questions as I need until I can clearly understand what you need me to do. That's one thing I learned from the SEAL teams and, you know, is how to effectively communicate in order to get the job done. And so I was doing that, but it wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't a mission that I needed to be doing. That wasn't actually my mission. And I feel like I am designed to serve. And I think a lot of service members, when they get out, they struggle because they don't have a defining mission anymore. And they're, they're just wandering. They're trying to make things happen, but there's no clear path for them to go down to make those things happen. And that's not just for military. That's for law enforcement, for first responders. That's for professional athletes. That's for collegiate athletes. I mean, think about it. It's for a human being. You, you go through college, you get a degree, what's next? Nothing's, nothing's guaranteed. Nobody owes you shit in life. And that's the problem with society is people feel, well, I did this and this. I should be getting this. No, no, nobody owes you anything. You have to work for it. You have to earn it. You have to take it and keep it by your actions, by your work ethic, by doing the right thing, by serving, serving people and, and putting them first. And, you know, I, I was struggling with that. And it wasn't until I decided like, hey, I need, I need to start my own business. And I was doing consulting kind of on the side. I was helping people with management and leadership issues. And I was doing some team building events. And I said, you know, this is what I need to do. And I, I started doing it. And I loved it. But I didn't properly plan that exit. <laughs> and I made an emotional decision. And, um, you know, I was riding the struggle bus financially for a while, had some good relationships and some bad relationships with, um, you know, different people that I was helping out their, their companies and, you know, some great people that I, that I learned from, you know, I had a, a buddy down in Alabama that had a, a training facility that he was wanting to get up and running and, you know, was able to help out a little bit with that. And, you know, I, I didn't do what I was supposed to do, uh, because, it was actually one of those times where I failed to communicate properly and act and ask clarifying questions. And I was just kind of waiting to be told what to do instead of, because I was intimidated by who he was in business and the success that he had. And I was just kind of like, Hey, waiting for him to tell me what to do, but he's waiting for me to take action and lead and, and build out some stuff. And so we just, you know, it came to the point where he was like, Hey, I, I just don't think this is a good fit. And I was like, okay. And I was pissed and I blamed him and I, I made it seem like he screwed me over for a while in my mind, you know. And then as I was able to detach my emotions and really think about it, I was like, yeah, no, that's actually 100% my fault. Like that's 100% my fault. I should have, you know, maintained good conversations with him. I should have built a better relationship. I should have asked better questions so that I had clarifying, you know, and defining roles and responsibilities. And if I would have done that, I would have done well. Um, I was an extra in Transformers, <laughs> which was cool. Uh, being able to play, I was pl I played a Navy SEAL in Transformers. Oh, I didn't 5. know that. What Transformers was it? Transformers Five. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Um, and then you know I had the opportunity to start working with Jocko and Leif, and they brought me on board as their first leadership instructor. And um, to see the progression and growth with them has has been humbling to to see where we've been able to grow. And, and grow into and I was just a 
instructor at the beginning giving keynotes here and there and maybe a workshop uh, to – That's probably you know, when I first last... uh, met you. Yeah. Probably right around yeah. the same time. Okay, probably. Yeah, because that was like December of 2016 was my first event. Uh, and then 2017, I actually started doing some events. Um, and then 18 got pretty busy. And then I built out our um, – so it's not called uh, the tactical training programs anymore. It's actually now experiential leadership training because we've grown and evolved it um, because – it was something that we saw that there was a need for people to kind of feel and grasp our leadership training at a deeper level. Um, we have an event. We've been doing it for the corporate side where a company can bring us in and we'll conduct these field training exercises with their with their team of leaders. And it's pretty cool. You know, you say so you have your group and we put together some missions and your group is will be put in different you know positions of leadership. They'll get an intel brief and then they'll go conduct some missions and they go conduct these capture kill missions against our role players and we come back and we debrief the mission and we take the lessons that we learned from those missions and apply it to your personal and professional lives and give you plans of action to go forward with on implementing these lessons. Uh, you know, you do that for a full day and we saw a demand and a need for it on the individual side. So let's say if you have a small company. Or, you know, smaller budget for training. Well, you can't bring us on board for all your people or a large group of them. But, you know, you want to send yourself or a small group of people. And that's why we designed FTX 001. So it's similar to the musters that we do, which are two-day leadership events. Uh, but the FTXs are for individuals and small groups. And FTX 001 is going to be December 15th and 16th in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And um, it's going to be two full days of scenario-based leadership training, with, working directly with Jocko, Leif, myself, Cody, and our FTX team. And it's limited to 30 people. So the, the value is incredible. You know, it's a small group, 30 people or less. In two full days working with Jocko Life, myself, and another instructor. Is that open so right it, now for people to sign up? Yes, it's currently open right now for people to sign up. Uh, it's going to sell out. I don't know how quickly these uh, these podcasts get out there, but um, you know, if somebody goes to our website, echelonfront.com, and clicks on services, FTXs, you'll have the info. Uh, if this one sells out uh, quickly, we might open up another two days of it that same week or what we're going to do for sure that I know is FTX 002 is going to be in July and then we'll have FTX 003 um, in September and those will be in two different regions. So and those are um, obviously next year, right? 2000. No, this year. Oh, July this year? Yeah, we're going to have three. So, we're going to so when's the first one? I thought you said FTX. the first one was December. Oh, did I say December? No, it's yeah. March 15th and 16th. March 15th, okay. I apologize for that. No, confusion. no, that's okay. So March 15th and 16th. Yeah. All right. So, so yeah. So that's been the progression, man, is that we've grown to where, you know, we're doing a lot of advising and strategic advising with uh, clients. We have long range leadership development plans um, that Dave Burke uh, has been creating and developing with all of our clients. And we've been able to switch and uh, be versatile and we're able to conduct all of our training, except for the hands-on training, obviously that has to be in person, uh, virtually. 
And it's been awesome. The impact, the program that Dave has designed and created for clients to go through is, is absolutely incredible. So I have a burning question about leadership. You've been around, obviously, leaders. You are a leader in the battlefield. And now you're around business leaders. What do they have? What do, do you find that's a commonality on those two things? And, and what are some leadership lessons that you've seen on the business side that apply to the battle side and vice versa? Yes. Yeah, so there's a direct correlation between, you know, leadership capabilities in every organization. What do you, okay. Instead of me asking, I'll just tell you, um, you know, we, when we talk with individuals and clients and companies and groups, we say the most important characteristic of a good leader is humility. Good leaders have to be humble. They have to be able to check their ego. They have to be able to subordinate their ego. They have to be able to listen to the input of other people around them. They have to be able to detach from their emotions so that they can assess their plan. They can assess somebody else's plan. They can assess and listen to the guidance of other people above them, below them, their peers. That's what a good leader is able to do. And that's because they're humble. The most the most important skill set of a good leader is communication. And so it doesn't matter if you're in a gunfight, if you're in training, if you're managing a hedge fund, if you're a doctor in the operating room, if you are the front desk admin at a nutritional company, it doesn't matter what you do. You have to be able to communicate with people. And leadership is not a title. Leadership is your ability to influence those around you to be able to get the job done and accomplish the mission. Now, leadership doesn't mean that you're a good person either because there's bad, there's good leaders and bad organizations, you know, and that's what we saw overseas. These insurgent fighters that we were going up against that we were battling and, and actually, you know, having a, a difficult time defeating had good leaders. They had good leadership and leadership makes a difference in every organization, good or bad. And so if somebody has the ability to communicate, if somebody has the ability to show humility and listen and subordinate their ego, they're going to lead. And it doesn't matter what they do. And they can lead up the chain of command. They can lead down the chain of command. They can lead across to their subordinate leaders in different departments and divisions as long as they have the ability to do those two things. What do you see to get someone like back in shack that you have maybe has all those tools, but they're going off the rails, they're reacting to something, right? I'm sure that, you know, you could have such a level head as a leader and then all of a sudden something happens and, and it triggers you. Have you you've had to see that happen? What's advice that you can give someone to kind of get back on track? Um, yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, you know, that just, to me, that tends to happen when people become out of alignment with their balances of their life. And that comes down to prioritize and execute. So prioritize and execute is the third law of combat that we teach. And when problems arise, you have to solve them. And when problems arise, you have to actually identify what the problems are, what their level of importance are, and what needs to be handled right then and there. And what's your capabilities? Are you even able to solve that problem by yourself? Because if you can, go do it. Work on it. If you can't, get a team that can. 
And sometimes your problems are not the priority because what you have to be able to do is check your ego and understand the overall mission and understand that maybe somebody else's priorities are more important than your priorities at that current time. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, then you need to help that individual get with what they have going on. It's just, you know, as when an individual falls out of line with the mission, falls out of line with getting stuff done, it's usually because there's a lack of understanding in regards to how important what they need to be doing is. And there's a lack of understanding of their progress and or where they are in the phases of getting what they have done done. When you were going through buds and now I'm sure you see when you talk to organizations, um, people may just be at their breaking point and they may want to quit. And I know you, you are like when you, your mindset on something, it's clear and obvious you're, you're running through it. Have you seen, or what do you tell people that are on that breaking point that want to quit something or even going, going back to buds when you had peers, are you able to talk someone out of something like that? If their mind is maybe not set, but they're, they're struggling, right? And then maybe they're starting to feed, to feed themselves some self-doubt. What a so recommendation to you buds, have. I, I don't think I try to talk anybody <laughs> out of quitting because that's a different situation. You know, like this is a selection program for you to be, be a Navy SEAL where quitting is not an option on the battlefield. Quitting is not an option in combat. And if you quit, you get somebody else killed. So if somebody already has that in their mindset in a controlled training environment that they want to quit because they're uncomfortable, bye. I never once tried to let – I never once tried to stop anybody from that because that was already their mindset. They wanted to take the easy route. And you know, my mindset then was like, oh, I don't want somebody on the team that's going to take the easy route. Now – on the civilian side and the interactions that I've had with people in business and in sports and different coaching opportunities that I've had and mentoring opportunities I've had with athletes and individuals and companies. Um, yeah. You know, you, you have to understand the situation that you're in the environment that you're in the environment that they're in and explain to them and, and say, Hey, you know, yeah, you're struggling right now. That's okay. People struggle in life. I understand how you feel. Because I've felt the same way before. What I found out is boom, 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 right? There's a, there's a technique called the feel, felt, found. And when you're talking with somebody, it allows you to tie in experiences that you've had to what they're currently doing so that you can have a conversation and break it down and explain to them like, hey, you're going to get through this. You're, you're going to be able to push through it. And one of the things that we do when we're talking is we explained the Battle of Ramadi and how just overwhelming it was and how people were telling us, hey, this is an unwinnable situation. You guys aren't going to win. You shouldn't go there. Don't go into that place, right? Everybody was telling us Ramadi was all but lost. We didn't buy into that. We believed in our leadership and we believed in our ability to get the job done. And, you know, I was fully bought in because I trusted my leadership. I loved my leadership. I would do anything for them. Not everybody on our team was fully engaged at that level. So our leadership, when we got there, they told us – well, they told us the truth before we got there about how bad it was. But when we got there, 
they were very clear as to what the deployment was going to be like and how risky those missions were going to be and how tired and worn out and exhausted we were going to be and how we would probably lose some of our guys. That was the reality. And they said, if you guys don't want to be a part of this, that's fine. Don't be a part of it. But if you want to be a part of it, here's what we're going to do. Here's why we're going to do it. How do you guys want to get the job done? And then as we're conducting these missions, you know, you have to remind guys why they're doing something to keep them in the fight, to keep them inspired, to keep them motivated, to keep them driven. So there's a time and place to give the realities to people and let them make their own decisions. But there's also a time and place to encourage people to keep going, to keep fighting, to keep pushing, to get back in the game when they've been knocked down, when life just threw them a curveball and just completely devastated them. You pick them back up. You encourage them. You, you speak belief into them. You, you let them know what they're capable of and what they've done well and why they're doing what they're doing and how they've made an impact. And then you get them back in the game. You push them back in the game and you go link arms with them and you push forward and you fight. There's a balance to everything. There's a dichotomy to everything. There's a time and place to say, hey, if you don't want to do what we're doing, bye. And then there's a time and place to say, no, no, no. You're not quitting. We're going to do this together. This is why. This is how we're going to do it. Let's get to work. And then you make sure that they push forward. I've, I've heard you talk about leveling up. I think that is uh, such a good lesson for people to understand, like who you surround yourself with, or if you want to get better during, you know, to do various things in life, you, you need to kind of surround yourself with people that, that are going to level you up. How has that, how has leveling up affected you in terms of when you came out of the military and where you're at now? And I know you have a jujitsu practice as well that, that you've been, uh, you've been working on quite a bit. Yeah, um, you know, I, I was very fortunate to learn from one of my best friend's dad uh, when I was still in the military. I heard him speak at a, uh, a business training that I was at. He said, you have to change your friends or change your friends. Meaning if the people you're around, you, the people you're around are negative and they make excuses and they're not getting what they need out of life, and they're just not trying to push hard. You know, they're just, they're just, bad. you know, just, just that negative little group of people that we all know. They're always, there's always something bad going on in their lives. There's always an excuse. There's a, woe is me, blah, blah, blah. Life is so unfair to them all the time. You change those people. You change their mindset. You change their attitude. You change their perspectives. Or you change your, the friends, Right? You change who you hang out with. You change who you spend time with because you, your reflection for the most part of the people that you spend time with or the people that you focus on and listen to and, and try to emulate. And so when I was able to meet successful business people, it helped me level up my mindset. It didn't change my life right away. That comes over time. That comes over you putting in years of hard work and discipline. But what it changed was my mindset initially to where I believed, oh, you know what? If they're able to do this, 
I can do that too. That's achievable. This is how I'm going to do it. And it would inspire me to think different and act different. And then working with Jocko and Leif, I mean, it's kind of hard not to be inspired daily with what we do. Because, you know, we're working with unique individuals all across the world. And there's an opportunity for me to learn from every single one of them. And that's what I love is the opportunity that I get every single day to talk with interesting people, to learn from the backgrounds, to learn what they're doing, to learn why they're doing it, how they're doing it, what makes different people tick, what was their contributing factors to their success, what did they fail at. And it's really cool because the leadership principles that we teach at Echelon Front, the laws of combat, cover and move, simple, prioritize and execute, decentralized command. I've been doing this for over four years and I've spoken with companies all across the world. These four laws of combat, these principles that we teach apply to every individual, to every organization and unit out there. And they work. And all the problems that people have out there are unique, but at the same time, they're not unique. And they're now different. And we have the ability to solve them all by individuals understanding the principles and concepts of extreme ownership. Right on. I know now or recently you just finished 75 hard. I don't know if it was phase one or, or what part of 75 hard, which is uh, for those that don't know, pretty regimented uh, rule-based program. And a lot of it, a lot of it's mental. I finished it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was fantastic. Uh, the way it was outlined, but that makes me think of something I heard you say also is discipline is rooted in the truth of what we tell ourselves. And I, I think Jocko yeah. said that and you, yeah. you uh, repeated that. And it reminds me of 75 hard. What have you learned from that program? Yes. Yeah, so 75 hard is a uh, mental toughness program that my buddy Andy Frisella started People can go to 75hard.com and just learn more about it. I tell everybody, hey, get the book. Even if you're not going to do the program, get the book. You're going to learn a lot from that book. And if people apply some of those principles daily, they're going to be in a better situation. you know. Um, but I, I really enjoyed 75 Hard. I'm actually in phase one, which is – you know, you, you, you do it after the first 75 hard. So you do 75 hard, you start phase one. Uh, it's the same thing as 75 hard, but you just add more things. Like some to, cold showers? Yeah, five minute cold shower, eight critical tasks, and what's the other thing? Like I'm driving by, that's why I have the app. I follow uh, the app, right? It, it's a meditation that? visualization. Oh, yeah, geez, yeah. The 10 minutes of visualization each day. Um, and so. Yeah, I, dude, that's the one I struggled with at the beginning. I was like, man, I just – for me to sit for 10 minutes and just focus on one thing, that's difficult, man. Um, now, the drinking a gallon of water a day, whew, that's that's still rough. I know it's beneficial. I know it's good for you, and I, I actually enjoy that I do it. Um, following the diet was good. Two workouts a day. One of them has to be outside. Reading 10 pages a day. Um you know, 75 Hard is great. It's well-designed. The The takeaways that I took from 75 Hard was um, getting back to being balanced and effective with switching my mindset from strategic to tactical. 
and from tactical to strategic, just being able to flow back and forth between your day-to-day battles and the long-term mission that I'm trying to accomplish and, you know, mapping stuff out and planning and preparing ahead of time and, you know, eliminating excuses and being effective with my time. You know, you have to do two 45-minute workouts a day. One has to be outside. I have to be looking at the weather. I have to look ahead for travel and pack accordingly. Um, you know, and you can't do the workouts back to back. So it's not like you can just say, hey, I'm going to do one workout and do the next one back to back. I'm done. Like, no, they have to be spread out to make it even more difficult. You know, so it's, so just being able to look and balance things out and, you know, that quote that Jocko told me, discipline is rooted in the truth that we tell ourselves. You know, it was January of 2020. We were in Half Moon Bay talking with a client. We were just talking through some stuff. And for me, that was just the understanding and the realization that, you know, I've been lying to myself too much and making things that I should be doing seem like, ah, you know, that's not a big deal. And I, because I would make myself be- feel better about why I wasn't going to do something, but that wasn't, that was a lie. And because I was not telling myself the truth, there was no discipline and accountability for my diet, for my working out, for my relationship with my wife, for my relationship with the kids. Just all that stuff was suffering because I was only focused on what I was doing with Echelon Front and delivering good stuff and content for Echelon Front, which is great, but there needs to be a balance. If everything else in my life falls apart because Echelon Front is super squared away, then I'm not going to have echelon front because when everything else falls apart in my life, the echelon front is going to be no longer an option for me. And so I had to find balance. And honestly, 75 hard helped me switch my mindset and my thinking back to balance, execution, no excuses. Yeah, the same thing happened for me. I was growing my business and you know we got to 500 employees and I was completely out of shape neglected everything there is zero balance and and uh over the last year it's been better but 75 i really accelerated it and it and especially the the no drinking part of it i i haven't went three or four days since i was 17 years old to not oh, yeah, drink no alcohol. alcohol yeah because you have to stick to a diet and no alcohol yeah um you know that's been good for me too obviously <laughs> yeah. uh, i never I, you know honestly i i wasn't really i haven't been a much of a drinker since I started working with Jocko and Leif because that's not what we do. So, and I'm gone yeah. all the time on the road with clients and we don't drink with clients. So exactly. You know, it's, that, it's leveling up, you know, you're around people that don't exactly. do it. It's the same thing now, now with me, I'm not around people that drink all the time. So it's, I'm not drinking. I don't even really think about it or miss it. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, and that's the other thing that's switching over to where, where people are like, Oh, it's not a big deal. Just have a drink. It's not a big yeah, actually it is. It is a big deal because I told you I don't want to do it. And if you can't understand why I'm not going to drink and why it's my choice not to drink and that it's important to me, yet you're still going to be a jerk and keep pushing it, then I probably don't need to be spending time around you because you're not going to be the person that's going to encourage me to be disciplined and go and build a successful business. You're not going to be the one that's you know feeding that positive stuff into my life for my family and for what I need to be doing on the business. If somebody can't like get over the fact that you're not going to drink, I mean, that's an indicator to me. It's like, okay, well, you know, I don't need to be spending time with you because I'm not at the point where I'm just 
trying to get hammered and drink the weekends away. I want to be, I want to be working. I want to be productive. I want to build relationships. I want to build a network. You know, I, I help out with kind of building out stuff for origin and Jocko fuel. Uh, you know, and I have a signature energy. I was going to mention that. Yeah. Congratulations. Sour apple sniper. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You know? And so it's like, Hey man, I've got enough stuff on my plate. I don't need to be wasting time getting hammered on the weekends. Yeah. You're drinking your drink. Not, not alcohol, man. That's, that's awesome. It's a, yeah. how's that feel by the way that you have it, you have an energy drink. Bro, JP. it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. That's, but a, that's, I dig that's it. incredible. It's cool. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. And it just comes from like what we were just talking about is leveling up, right? Changing the people you hang out with, changing the mindset that you have, changing your actions. You know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be in the situation I was in if I wasn't spending quality time with Jocko and Leif and Pete and Brian over at Origin and Jocko Fuel and having conversations and learning about what they're doing and how they're doing things and how I can help. And, you know, I wouldn't have that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I just wouldn't have that opportunity. No, totally. So, so one of the things I know we're going to wrap up in a second here that I noticed is you, you work out with your wife a lot and I work out with mine and I feel like that's such a huge part of our day together. We start off the morning, we work out together at 5.30 and, and, it, and we're both on the same programs. Do you, do you find that to be really important in your life as well? Um, yeah, so we, we actually don't work out with each other as much as it seems. I know it seems like that uh, because we both like post and share stuff and tag each other. Uh, but we still work out with each other more than most people do. So I guess maybe we do. I don't know. For me, I don't feel like it's a lot. Uh, but as I said that, I was like, you're also a Navy SEAL though. I was like, but it is probably a lot compared to other people. They're like, I have never, I've never even gone a walk with my wife. Okay. Well, that's a problem. You should probably do that. Um, yeah, I think it's important because, you know, we keep each other accountable. We keep each other focused. Uh, and it's fun. It's quality time. And what people fail to do is prioritize quality time with their loved ones when they're building a business and when they're, you know, just getting heavy into the business side of what they do. If you don't take the time to, um, you know, take the time for your family, you're going to lose it. You have to make it a priority. So I I also know that uh, Echelon Front has some new online courses. Yes. Are you an instructor in those as well? I am. I am. So we have uh, we have something called EF Online, and somebody can go to efonline.com to get more information and sign up. But it's our online leadership platform. You know, we created that so that people can watch videos, take tests, progress along. We're building out a certification program to where people can actually be certified facilitators of our training within their organizations. We have train the trainer programs, and uh, the goal is to get all of our stuff credited. So, you know, how people take, you know, where it's equivalent to kind of like a college degree or, you know, where they're taking all these hours of, of just leadership development training and, you know, education and they come to an FTX, they come to a muster, they're checking off all these like things and they're proficient and they understand the principles. You know, that's something that people are going to be able to use um, and, and grow within our organization as well. And so it starts with EF Online. It's cool because the members of EF Online, they have the ability to um, attend three live training sessions a week 
and that's with Jocko Leif, myself, and other instructors. So on every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, middle of the day, there's a live leadership training that we do with Q&A, and then all those are recorded and uploaded. So if you've never, if you can't attend one of those because just your work schedule or your day schedule, then you can watch the recording later on. Um, you know, we have these different like programs that you can go through all these foundational courses. Um, there's like primer videos that you can watch each day, leadership questions each day that you can go through. Um, and there's a thing called the brigade. It's like a combination of Facebook and LinkedIn where it's only for our users where they can actually talk and facilitate different leadership problems that's going on and help each other solve their problems real time. So it's uh, it's pretty incredible. That is very cool. And I encourage everyone, no matter what you're doing, to put in your earbuds and, and jump onto something like that because you can always be learning. There's mm -hmm. always time to be learning. And people that say they don't have enough time, it's just not true. Whether you're in the supermarket or you're yep. – doing chores, like put on your earbuds and learn. And to learn from you, Jocko, and, and uh, Leif is is incredible. So that's yeah. that's great. Well, There's no excuses as to us not being able to learn or get stuff done. You know, yeah. people are like, I don't have the time. My big thing I've been telling people is, yeah, you do have the time. It's just not a priority of yours. So instead of saying, I don't have the time, switch it up and say it's not a priority of mine and it really forces you to think about what you're saying like so if you're getting ready to say like i don't have time to go to my kid's soccer game it's not a priority to go to my kid's soccer game Ooh, you know i don't have time to take my wife out on a date this week it's not a priority to take my wife out on a date this week i don't have time Ooh, to read like 10 pages in a day it's not a priority of mine to read 10 pages in a day we have time for whatever we want to do it's just whether you make it a priority I tell my team that all the time. I'm like, if you're working 12, 14 hours, just, you know, or, you know, some, some feedback I would get is wake up, work out. Like, I don't, I want you to take care of yourself first and foremost. Well, you know, I'm working, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, then wake up a half hour earlier or skip an extra half hour of, of work and put that time into working out. I guarantee you'll be more productive. Oh, dude. <laughs> I have my best days when I get one of my workouts done in the morning. My best days. Every time. And I know I'm more productive. Yep. So March 15th to the 16th, it's probably going to sell out by the time this airs, but FTX, keep an eye on it. Uh, yeah. Echelon Front uh, has a new website. And more importantly than all that, go get the Sour Apple Sniper Drink. <laughs> At your local yeah. store or order it online. I don't think it's at the stores yet, is it? Because I tried to find it. So they're at vitamin shops. Um, so they sold the out of your flavor. I was at vitamin yeah, shop okay. to pick it up. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So the Wawa's out on the East Coast have them. And if somebody goes to originmain.com, yep. um, they can use the code AmericanMade and they'll save 10%. Um, and they can order anything. You, you just click on nutritional, it brings you over to Jocko Fuel uh, page. Uh, and if they get a subscription, they get free shipping. So you get free shipping plus 10% off if you just do like a monthly subscription on, on the products. So it's a pretty, pretty good deal. I have four in my fridge right now. It's, uh, it's nice. awesome. And I'm uh, getting ready to go drink one after this. Yeah. <laughs> And good luck on the jujitsu and everything. I'm on a Thank similar you. path. I'm, I'm my, 
Misogi, my big goal for the year is to be in a tournament by by the end of the year. And I don't know if that's smart or not, being uh, 43 Absolutely. years old, but I'm going for it, man. No, you happen. should do it. It's, don't even overthink it. It's going to be fun. You'll do fine. You'll do great. And, you know, you're going to learn a lot from it. People, there are a lot of high-level jujitsu black belts that say competing adds about six months to your jujitsu game when you're a lower-level belt. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's uh, and it definitely makes you humble, which is the number one yes. thing that we talked about today is uh, humility. Yeah. Absolutely, it's it's a humbling experience, but it's it's something that we should all do. So that's awesome. Hey, um, you know, I appreciate again you having me on, and everybody that's listening. You know, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends, leave a review. Uh, if you guys want to follow me on social media, it's at JP Donnell, uh on everything, Facebook. Uh, Instagram, Twitter. Um, but, you know, I just appreciate the opportunity to be on this podcast. And uh, I feel like we have a lot more to talk about. So maybe we do. we'll have yeah. to do this again in the future, my brother. We do. Hey, JP, thanks a lot, my friend. Take care. Thank you. Have a great day. All right, you too. Thank you for listening to this episode with JP Donnell and the Anonymous Third Podcast. You can support the show by following us and leaving a review. Please subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Audible, wherever you may be listening to this, and also leave a comment. My mission is to make every weekly episode better than the last. Your feedback is so appreciated. From that feedback, I am doing that. Case in point, this ending here, I knew that was a bit lacking from the previous episodes. Bottom line, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. And I want to prove it to you because I'm big on action versus talking. So if you made it this far, go to notalmostthere.com forward slash made it. So forward slash M-A-D-E-I-T, no spaces, and I will send you a free t-shirt while supplies last. Lastly, please remember, no matter where you're at in your life, you have so much more potential. You, we, me, we are not almost there.